In this series of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, we've been talking about three principles for writing better chord progressions, writing better melodies, and writing better lyrics, diving into the three main parts of songwriting. And in this final episode of that series, we're going to talk about it at a more macro level and talk about three principles overall for writing better songs. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Vidala. Honor that you take some time out of your busy week to talk songwriting with me. I'm glad that songwriting is important enough to you that you would listen to any podcast about it. And of course, extra honored that you chose this one. Right now, there is a new free guide out there, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. It's not 10 different ways to start writing a song. Instead, it's 20 and it's a cheat sheet instead of a regular guide, because frankly, that guide needed to be updated, I think, pretty badly. Uh, And it's a cheat sheet now. If you don't know the difference, basically, it's something that should give you quick wins. It's way shorter. I want to say it's like three pages or something now. I might be off on that, but it's way shorter. It's way less reading. It's almost no reading. It's really meant to give you some quick wins of different ways to start writing a song so that you can not deal with writer's block anymore and no longer deal with the whole, oh, I stare at a blank page and just don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. This will give you 20 different ways to start writing a song that have all been super helpful to me. I'm sure they will be helpful to you as well. So we're talking about three principles for writing better songs. So these are going to be pretty big overarching principles. And the first one is to be a jack of many trades, but a master of one. Or some of you may know this as the concept of trying to be T-shaped, as people often call it. And the reason it's T-shaped, sorry for those of you who aren't watching on YouTube because you're not going to have the sort of visual here, but a T at the top, right? Very shallow at the top. But then there's one spot of the T that's really deep. It's the This is a capital T. That is the idea of jack of many trains. You can, you, you're good enough to be dangerous at all the different things, but you're really, really, really good and deep at one thing. And I think that this is probably just in general with life, uh, a good thing to be in whatever you do, but certainly for songwriting, I think it's immensely helpful. So there's many different elements to how to be a jack of many trades, master of one. One I think is how you start songs, right? We just talked about that very briefly with the free guide, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. So having, you know, one or two or three main ways that you start songs that are tried and true for you is great. But when those ways aren't working, you know, the 20% of the time or 25% of the time, having other ways to start start songs that can work for you is going to be really important. Because maybe that day you're staring at your guitar and you're like, I have nothing. I just, I just, I don't know. I just can't come up with anything. Something as simple as walking over to your bass and starting with a bass line or writing a bass line on your guitar with the lowest guitar string, just that can immediately make writer's block go away. Something as simple as that. Much less something a little more extreme by, you know, deciding to start with a song title instead of starting with anything musical at all. But also songwriting process, right? It's good to have a certain process that you go to that works most of the time. Maybe you like to start all your songs with a chorus. I think that's a great way to start. Maybe even the best way to start a song process-wise is get that chorus right and then figure out all the verses and bridge that 
supports that chorus because the chorus for 99% of songs is the main point of the song and is the pinnacle of the song, right? It's what the whole song is about. It handles the main theme of the song. It has the song title of the song very often. And then songwriting style. And when I say style, I don't I don't mean genre. And I'm not saying, oh, you need to be able to write country songs and rap songs and, and metal songs. No. But to have more than one speed for your songs is, is going to be good. Maybe, you know, your bread and butter is an epic ballad, right? Great. Don't not do that. If you ever release EPs or albums or something, never release an EP or album that doesn't have that bread and butter thing that you think you're best at as a songwriter. But like you got to mix in something a little different, something that's a little more catchy, maybe, or something that maybe is a little happier if most of your music is sad or if most of your music is angry, maybe changing that up and having a song that's actually kind of tragic and sad. So finding different songwriting styles, whether that be more from a lyrical standpoint or a musical standpoint, is a great way to go. None of us want to be accused of all their songs sound the same. Now, sometimes that's just a lazy criticism and people who don't like you are just going to say that whether it's true or not, uh, right? Often it's code for like, I don't actually listen. I just want to criticize. So some, sometimes people come in and say crazy things, no matter how untrue it is uh, or how unnuanced it might be. But we do all want to avoid that. Right? We don't want all our songs to be exactly the same with no variety. You want to have an identity as an artist, but also you don't want that identity to be so one note that it's seemingly all that you can do. And then inspiration source is another one. If your main inspiration source is whatever is going on in your life now, you and every other songwriter, that's great. Right? That's, it's really important to be able to write in the moment. If you're going through something really rough to be able to write about that now, that's like the ultimate blessing sort of being a songwriter is that self-therapy that you can do. You're going through a thing and you can get through the thing a little bit better because you can descend into your basement or wherever you write your songs and, you know, write out those lyrics and play that guitar and piano and, and just just feel that little bit of relief or release from doing that. That's a part of the magic of songwriting. It's one of the main reasons I think people should do songwriting, or maybe not one of the main reasons, but certainly a huge benefit for sure. Um, but we're also very limited as songwriters if we only are limited to the inspiration source of me and right now, right? We need to at least expand to me 10 years ago, me five years ago, me in an alternate timeline today, maybe, right? If, you know, if this one thing changed five years ago, where would I be today? Being able to sort of write about something like that. Or, uh, you know, the future, right? Not just you in the present wondering about the future, but you putting yourself in a, a possible future you shoes and being like, hmm, if this happened five years from, from today, how would I feel about this? That That's one thing to do. But also being able to write from a perspective other than your own, right? Be able to have a character in your song where the main character of your song isn't even you. It's somebody else. And it can be a fictional character, right? It can be a character from a book or from a movie, or it can be a fictional character that you make up because you find that made up character very compelling. And obviously the made up character needs to feel real. It needs to feel like a good character. That's a real human being, but 
we don't want to be limited to just writing songs about us. That's it's just very limiting, right? And especially if you're limited to yourself now, if your life is great right now and and or not much is changing in your life, and oftentimes as an adult, I think sometimes there are periods of time where things don't change much. For example, uh my daughter's 6 months old now, but in between my wife and I getting married and having Sierra, my our daughter, very little in my life changed. Like it kind of was just the sort of the same. So if I was limited to writing about that, I, I just would run out of material very quickly. And that's going to happen to all of us, I think. Uh, and I think it's a good thing to happen, by the way, because because to a certain degree, you want some stability in your life. So, you know, that's a good thing. But we don't want our songs to suffer because we have a good, healthy, stable life. So great to have a tried and true way. Think of this like if you release, th- think about your favorite artist that releases an album once every, we'll say two years, and their album is 10 songs, right? Let's say two or three of them will be singles. And very often, two of the three singles, give or take, will be their tried and true bread and butter, this is their sound, right? So if you listen to all the, I'll pick on Five for Fighting here. If you listen to all the singles by Five for Fighting, they all kind of have a similar piano, singer-songwriter vibe. Right, which I love. They're what Five Fighting is one of my favorite artists. But you would be wrong if you thought, oh, all their songs sound like that. No, no, no. All their singles that people are expecting who aren't fans that go deeper, but are just people who listen on the radio, they do have a bread and butter for that. Because almost every radio song, every single that Five Fighting ever did, almost all of them do sort of have that similar like the songs tend to be about life and bigger themes than just love not all of them but a lot of them they tend to be a very driven by a piano hook um and then there's just piano singer songwriter there's actually some songs he has that are all guitar driven that have like no piano really uh but you would never know that if you just listen to the singles so that's an example of bread and butter right that's a good thing to have that sound that people can count on that is the most you right if you had to pick one sound for yourself one very specific sound that's probably your bread and butter and for you that could be anything from like a sad sad country songs about loss to metal songs in a sci-fi dystopia setting or whatever so that's great but it's also good to have more different ways to dive into things for when that a when that bread and butter fails and b just so that again there's some variety because we want to have variety if every single song on a 10 song album was the same that's where people say it just feels like all their songs sound the same where you you can't even distinguish between songs that's that's where we start to get into a problem and a great way to avoid that is changing up how we start songs changing up our songwriting process. If you always start with the chorus, maybe try opening with, you know, a, a intro that has a catchy bass line, write that first, or, you know, write the bridge first, or start with the first verse, and then different inspiration sources. Great way to go. The next thing for writing better songs, the next principle is baby steps. The easiest way to reduce overwhelm is by breaking down the songwriting process into smaller steps with less pressure. I think a lot of the problems that we have as songwriters comes down to we sit down and we're like, I'm going to write a song. 
And already we have set ourselves up to fail because let's say you are someone, and this is probably most of us, that that you feel blessed if you have half an hour every day to work on songs. More realistically, maybe you're a person who gets a 15-minute session that you can fit in twice a week, and then like on Saturday, you're lucky enough to be able to spend an hour and a half straight. So if you sit down when you only have 15 minutes to work on songwriting, you say, I'm going to write a song. That's, That's just, it's not really doable. Can somebody write a song in 15 minutes? Yeah, especially if it's music only. Uh, but is it going to be good? Almost certainly not. It might be, but unless you're really inspired that day, it probably just isn't going to be that good. So it'd be better, and we were, and also it can paralyze you, right? Because it's such a, a big thing. That's like saying, let's say it's a weight loss journey, and you're like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Like that's a fine place to start, but that's really overwhelming. If you get on the scale every morning with your goal being 50 pounds lower, 50 pounds lower, good luck. It's it's not going to work, right? But if you say, all right, my goal is to shed five pounds, that is a doable step that can might take, you know, two or three weeks. And then you can say, okay, now I'm going to lose another five pounds. Or it could be something as simple as, okay, this week I'm going to drink Maybe you drink, I don't know, four cans of soda a day. You're like, I'm going to drink two a day, right? And naturally, you're going to probably start to lose weight just from drinking less soda. And then you're like, okay, now I'm going to drink one can a day. So little baby steps is how you find success in, in seemingly everything. It just makes it less overwhelming. That's why they tell you to break your goals down into smaller, more completable steps. If your goal is to become a millionaire, good luck. That's not like, what, what kind of goal is that? That's not one step. That requires a series of things. If your goal is to lose 50 pounds, same thing. Right, Making a movie, same thing. Writing a song. Writing a song is maybe not as big as those other things, but it is a fairly involved thing. You have chord progressions, you have you know, maybe different instrument parts that aren't necessarily part of the chord progression, but are important, such as hooks or riffs. You have, which not all songs have that, but a lot of songs that you might want to write might have that. Uh, basically, every song I write has that. So if, if you're anything like me, <laughs> you, very rarely is your song just a chord progression and and melody and lyrics. But even if it is just a chord progression, melody and lyrics, that's three different parts. And not only that, but each one of those it needs to be be different for a song section, right? You can't, you don't write one melody for your song. You write at least two melodies for your song if you have verses and choruses. If you have a bridge, now you have at least three melodies that you need to write. And usually the chord progression isn't going to be the same in every song section. So oftentimes you got to change that up. So a great way to reduce the overwhelm and actually be able to be successful even with small periods of time to work on songs is simply to break it down into small steps. Instead of saying, I'm going to write a song when you sit down, say, I'm going to improvise different chorus melodies to go along with the chorus chord progression that I wrote the other day, right? You wrote the chorus chord progression. That's it. Not, not, you, not that you wrote the whole chorus the other day or the whole song the other day. You wrote the chorus chord progression. And now all you're asking of yourself is I'm going to improvise a bunch of different melodies until I find one that has a lot of potential that could maybe be this chorus's melody. And even then, you should probably edit that melody later to make sure it's, you know, it's really good. But another thing to go along with this is that I think a really valuable trait as a songwriter is to learn to highly value the details and the baby steps. 
I think too many, too, too many of us have the perspective that we had when maybe writing a five page paper for school, right? If you sat down to work on your five page paper and you only edited two or three sentences into something much better, you'd be like, wow, what a failure of a session. I spent three hours today or I don't know, an hour today working on my paper and I made three sentences better. That paper is going to take a while, right? Or, you know, I sat to write my paper today and I only finished half a page. Again, rough day probably. I think we have that mindset with songwriting, not realizing that sentences or time is, is not created equal, right? Four minutes of this podcast, this video podcast, is not the same as four minutes of a YouTube video skit or a movie, right? The amount of time and money and everything that needs to go into four minutes of a movie is way more than me turning the camera on and talking to you about songwriting, right? Four minutes are not created equal. Four minutes of a comedy skit took writing word for word, doing takes until you executed it exactly correctly. You can't have any mistakes. It's going to be highly edited. It's, it's probably going to have a lot of edits and cuts. So in the same way, four minutes of your song is not created equal with, I don't know, four minutes of improvising music or four minutes of this podcast, right? It, it, for four minutes of this podcast, it takes me four minutes to make. For a four-minute song, it takes a while to make more often than not. So just learning to treasure all the little improvements that you can make in a song is huge, absolutely huge. Just a, a tiny bit of math, just, just to, to flesh this out. Let's say your songs on average have two verses, a chorus, and a bridge, right? So four total song sections. And yours may be different than this. It probably is. But let's just go with this as an example. And let's say that each one on average has four lines per section. That means that one song on average for you has 16 lines, 16 lyrical lines. That's it per song. So if you just turn one line from lackluster to really great, you just made your lyric approximately 6.25% better. Half of 10% by just changing one line, right? If you change one word in your line that took the line from like, eh, to ooh, now the line kind of pops. The verb is way stronger and more vivid than it was before. And all of a sudden my line went from eh to something really good. Hey, congratulations. You just made your, your lyrics, you know, half a 10%, more than half of 10% better. Six, 7% better. Just by changing one line, maybe by changing one word in the line. So learning to appreciate the details because song, songs are like all details. They're all details because it's only four minutes, right? I compare it to books a lot, so I won't go too deep into this, but it's the whole, in a book, you can afford to have maybe a paragraph or two that goes astray because it's a long book. book. Nobody's going to throw the book away because of one paragraph. But with a song, all we have are those, say, 16 lines. So... That's the good news and the bad news, right? The, the bad news is that each one of those lines is vastly more important than it is in a book, so you can't phone them in as much. People will notice. Uh, the, the good side, though, is it, it 
it's only 16 lines or 20 lines. Or if you're more like me and tend to write lots of lyrics, maybe 30, 40, 50 lines. That's it. So learning to do things in baby steps, whether that's with your lyrics or your music, anything. Learning to break it down into small, small steps. And then finally, deeper is always better. Diving deeper into your thoughts and feelings almost always will result in more thought-provoking and moving words. This is why morning pages is a thing. I don't know if you know what morning pages is, but basically, forgive me, I forget who came up with it. You can look it up, and I, I think her website is the first one that comes up, but um, it basically is just that when you wake up in the morning, you just write. I believe it's three pages. You just write, or maybe it's for 10 minutes or something. I don't, I don't remember exactly. It doesn't really matter the details, but the idea is to get your creative brain flowing early in the morning. So you're sitting with your morning coffee, and instead of just staring off and zoning out or watching YouTube videos, instead, you get your creative brain flowing because you just write. You don't edit, you don't know, you just write. And usually things start to sort of become a little more, you get deeper and deeper and deeper as you start to actually write. It's very similar to object writing, which I believe is from Pat Patterson, but I could be wrong about that. But object writing is sort of going for a very similar concept. It's where you pick an object and you just write about it as deeply as possible. And we don't have to do those two specific things. But those two things sort of have the same goal of getting you to dive deeper because songs are all about depth. It's all about depth. Whenever you think, should I go deeper? The answer is almost always yes when it comes to a song. So what I, what I do, and if you've grabbed the six-step checklist for a lyric writing that I have, which by the way, that also has been updated and is way better and shorter. So if you want to check that out, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Updated that the same day, actually, uh, that I update. Well, it took more than a day, but I released the update of that the same day as the changing 10 different ways to start writing a song to 20. But anyway, one of the steps in there is talking about prose writing, basically, where you're just... It's in the song developing step or the lyric development step where you're not actually trying to write lyrics yet. You just sit and you just write. You're not thinking about meter. You're not thinking about rhyme. You just allow yourself to write and write and dive deeper and deeper into whatever the emotion of the song is or the theme of the song is. And that is usually where you're going to find something better. And getting diving deeper and getting more specific about your song subject and or story is almost always going to be better. You can think of it like a breakup song. When I say breakup song, I'm immediately bored. I don't even know what the song is yet, but I'm already bored. And it's not that breakup songs are inherently boring, but if the breakup song is just as deep as it's just another breakup song, it's kind of generic. It's just like, oh, she left me and I'm sad and whatever. That's how people are going to feel about it, right? It's another generic, same old, same old breakup song. But you can have a breakup song that's really interesting just by diving deeper. So instead of a breakup song, you could have a conflicted, angry, devastated song in the moments and mess of emotions right after she tells you it's over. Same thing, right? It's a breakup song. 
but immediately way more interesting because it's a it, it, it we're diving deeper into the emotions of it, right? Conflicted, angry, devastated. And then we're diving more deeply into a specific time where you are feeling those emotions, the moments and mess of emotions right after she tells you it's over. So this is, you know, she just told you it's over, boom, song starts, right? There's a clear time this is taking place. You're diving into how you felt in a specific moment. Or another example would be a wistful song years later, reflecting on how much you regret the part you played in her calling it over. Again, basically a breakup song, far removed from the breakup, sure, but it's essentially still a breakup song. Way more interesting, right? Way more interesting and compelling. We are, again, diving more deeply into the emotions. Wistful, right? Thinking back, having fond memories of, sort of wanting those memories back. Wistful is, is sort of hopeful and sad at the same time. as it's, sort of, it's a more vivid word than, say, sad or angry. Um, and then years later, so we're getting specific on time again, reflecting on how much you regret the part you played in her calling it over. So we're diving more specifically into one element of the breakup where we're talking about the part that you played in it or the part that I played in it. Or third and final example, an intimate look into the calm end of a tumultuous relationship. Again, just a breakup song. And yet, far more interesting. And if you start with that and really develop off of that, you can probably have a really interesting breakup song because it's way more deep and it's it, you just dove deeper into the thoughts, feelings, moments. And immediately that's going to make it feel more real and less generic and cookie cutter and also will make it more interesting. Right? We've all heard a million breakup songs, but most of them are kind of generic, right? There's sort of the one size fits all that everybody could generally relate to. You left me and I'm sad. Every human who's ever had a breakup, which is probably like 95% of human beings above the age of 18, can relate to that. But not like at a, usually on a visceral level because it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's generic, right? But where, how you can stand out and make it more interesting and more deep and more likely to really resonate with people is to get more specific and get deeper. And then finally, attention to detail at a deeper level, musically and lyrically. So at the highest of high levels, a song is a chord progression, a melody, and lyrics. But that's not the only perspective to have on a song. You could see instead of just a chord progression, because some, some, sometimes people ask this question, right? They're like, so yeah, chord progression, melody, lyrics. But I hear like all these other instruments, right? There's this guitar hook. There's a bass line. There's, uh, you know, a little piano part off on the side. I hear some synths way in the background. There's even some strings in there. What is all that, right? Because it doesn't sound to me like it's just playing a chord progression. And that's usually because... A lot of those parts aren't just strictly playing a chord progression. Some will, some won't. Some will contribute to the chord progression. Some are adding what you might call a lead part, which is sort of like a melody that isn't the vocal melody. It's just another sort of hook for you to listen to that's like, ooh, that's kind of interesting. And then, you know, a bass line is usually related to the chord progression. It has to be somewhat related to the chord progression for sure. 
but it's sort of its own part. And so that's one level of depth that you can get to. Instead of just thinking in terms of C major, G major, you dive a little bit deeper into what's really going on with the whole harmony of the song. Because it's way more than just a simple guitar chord progression and a vocal part. A song can be just that, but there's way more stuff that you can do with the song than simply that. Some genres rely on this, right? I mean, uh, a lot of metal songs or really just a lot of hard, hard rock songs. Almost all of those, if you listen to them, don't really have a chord progression. It's usually like a, a couple different guitar riffs that are playing at the same time that are in the same key. And then the vocalist singing over them. But there's no clear like, oh, G minor and D minor. There is very little of that in a lot of those type of songs. Obviously not all of them, um, which gets into what I call progressionless writing. But just as a frame of reference, we'll use chord progressions as an example. I think we talked about this in the three principles for writing better chord progressions. But, um, you know, a stock chord progression is a fine place to start. Stock chord progression, meaning the same old, same old chord progressions that everybody's used a million times. You can look them up. It's like seven or eight chord progressions that just get used over and over and over again. You can just pick one of those progressions and write a song, right? And for your first songs, that's a great way to go. Just pick a tried and true chord progression. You don't really understand how to write a chord progression, then don't. Just take one that's tried and true. That's a great way to go. But that should that should get old very quickly. Um certainly did for me. It probably will for you. It's just very limiting. So then you learn how to write your own chord progression. Still within a key, you might happen to write a chord progression that's already a stock chord progression, but you are approaching it one chord at a time rather than taking the whole like, oh, it's C, G, A minor, F. Instead of that, you started with a C major chord and then you're like, ooh, I kind of like what G major, okay, G major. And then, ooh, actually, I kind of like going to E minor from there. That's writing a chord progression. But then one step further is to learn to separate out the bass line. Think to use inversions because inversions can change the sound of a chord significantly. Something I like mentioning for this is a one chord. A one chord is going to sound resolved and at home. And that's usually why the chorus will make good use of the one chord. The last chord of the song is usually the one chord. Very often the first chord of the song is the one chord to sort of set the tone, set the tonic, set that center of gravity. But Immediately, you can take the teeth out of the one chord and not make it sound resolved just by changing the inversion. If you're in C major, so you have a C major chord as your one chord, just have it a C major chord over an E in the bass or over a G in the bass. Immediately, it doesn't sound resolved. Super simple, right? Um, and then you can even detach the bass part even further from it. So these are all just, this is just a chord progression example of how to dive deeper musically. Right? It can be things like learning basic music theory. You can add to your chord toolbox. Maybe you just use major and minor chords. You've never even thought to use a sus chord or an add chord. Just add one to your toolbox and that's deeper. You can think about it like any guitarist. If, if you're a guitarist and you like following the greats or whoever your favorite guitarist is, just the, if you're the type of person that has a favorite guitarist, you're probably going to know what, what I'm about to talk about. But they obsess over details that most of us never think about, right? They're talking about what strings they use and why, and they experimented with all these different strings and it didn't really work. And they even customized their guitar and they took out the pickups and changed the pickups. You know, most of us are thinking, do I want humbucker or single coil? 
And that's all we think about. Some of you might not even think about that. You just are like, I got an electric guitar and I like it. It sounds good. It feels good. They're thinking about the pickups. They're thinking about the strings. They have their guitar set up specifically for them. Some of them use different guitar tunings and they have specific reasons why. They have a bunch of different gear. They get really into different amps and customizing their sound. And then a lot of times artists will have a guitar sound that's distinctly them because they made that guitar sound. They didn't just turn on distortion and call it a day. They they have that specific blend of, oh, I like this overdrive pedal plus this distortion, but I actually like less distortion than most rock bands. And I actually add a little bit of reverb to all my guitars. And I instead, most people double their guitars. I actually quadruple our guitars. They think in details that most of us have never even thought about. And that's a part of why they're a master of the craft, right? It's just a part of why. But this is something for us to do too is learn to get a little deeper and more obsessed about the details. Thinking in terms of music production and actually recording your music. You know, it's, it's great to play an instrument, but a way to dive deeper is to learn how to make that instrument sound like a totally different instrument or learn to use, you know, your keyboard for more than just piano sounds. But, ooh, I'm going to experiment with organ or I'm going to make my own sound. I know I like talking about this, but I think it's a great way to go. So there's something really inspiring about making a sound that doesn't exist. It's not a real instrument, but yeah, make it into an instrument because you can make your own sense very easily these days. So, and I say very easily, right? It's probably going to be a pain the first time you learn to do it. But once you learn to do it, it's not that hard, right? So you only have to learn to do it once. It'll be kind of painful once. And then you'll, you'll have a, a new tool for your songwriting toolbox, and I know I like talking about tools for your songwriting toolbox, but that's a part of the whole deeper is always better. You just learn to dive deeper. Instead of thinking in chord progressions, go one one level deeper, think individual chords, and then go one level deeper and think about chord versus the bass part of the chord. And then one level deeper and think about not only the chord, but the top note of the chord, which sort of gives the chord a sort of melody or can give the chord, the chord progression sort of a, a perceived melody and the bass part. Those are the two parts people notice, the highest and the lowest generally. And then eventually learning to write progressionless music, as I sometimes refer to it, which is sort of like that hard rock music that sometimes it's just like different riffs and there's no clear chord progression that's being played. Um, so hopefully this was helpful to you. Hopefully this series was helpful to you. If it was, be sure to let me know in a comment down below if you're on YouTube or uh, leave a kind of review on whatever podcast platform you use. If you haven't already, if you're somebody who listens to this podcast a lot and ha has wondered, what can I do? I've been getting so much uh, quality advice or quality tips or whatever it is uh, from this podcast. Uh, the best thing you can do to help me out is to leave a kind review, preferably five stars if you feel that I've deserved it. Feel I don't deserve it, then uh, let me know via email instead how I can be better. It's joseph at songwritertheory.com. Again, free guide, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. 20 different ways to start writing a song, totally remade. So even if you have the 10 different ways, even if you didn't like the 10 different ways, grab this. Uh, it almost certainly is better. And I want your feedback on it. I put it at the bottom of the document that I wanted feedback and put my email address and all that. But I do really want feedback to make sure that I make it as good as possible. 
And also my six-step lyric writing checklist, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. That also was totally reworked. So if you want to grab the new version of that, again, it's shorter and better, I think. And it is more up to date with the current six steps that I use, which is just has one step that's slightly different. But be sure to check those out. Thank you so much for listening or watching or both. <laughs> Hopefully both. It'd be kind of weird if you just watched, I guess. But alas, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I appreciate every single one of you. Talk to you in the next one. <laughs>